Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. You know, it's interesting. We were in worship this morning. Um, we were sharing and and uh, then somebody was, I, I, I really enjoy experimenting in worship. So somebody this morning had had um, a couple of scriptures and I thought, wow, that's that's the theme of what I'm going to talk about today. And it's really, it's really that God's calling us back to the heart of, of what life's about, of what church is about. You see, we, we've gotten so off course. You know, church has become an organization primarily to plant, to build, right? And, and um, then, we, then we bring the spiritual things into it as well. But the primacy of worshiping God and knowing God is so far above everything else. And it's sort of like if we will prioritize the right things, everything comes right in life. And God will bless that. You know, when you go into where God is, there's a special grace there. We can use our gifts for certain things. And sadly, sometimes we can use our gifts without the anointing of God in them. Did y'all know that? And... Um, Somehow we can be graced to do certain things without the presence of God. But the way things are supposed to work is we're supposed to be connected with God. And through that relationship, we become fruitful in everything that we do at a new level, right? So that's that's what I want to get into today. Really, we're going to look, look at this through the scriptures. Look at the primacy of relationship, wh why that's so important. And my heart is to help you this morning reconnect to God because I think in some way the whole church world and all of us have disconnected from what's that supposed to be, you see? And um, God wants us to connect back with that. God wants to make that the main thing. And all this other stuff that we get all wrapped up in, um, that's not the main thing. Amen? Amen? That's what happens when you do the main thing. I hope y'all are connecting with me here. But anyway, John 1, uh, excuse me, in 1 John 1, 1 through 3, it says this, That which was from the beginning which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Listen to this language. And I want you to, you see, he's trying to convey an experience. From the beginning, we've seen it with our eyes. We've looked on it. Our hands have held. He's like, we've been there. And then he's talking about, it's, this is the word of life. He's calling Christ and Jesus in his experience here, the word of life. And he says, this life was manifested. This life was brought here. I mean, this is such a mystery, isn't it? Um, and we have seen and we bear witness and we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested here. That which we have seen 
and heard and experienced, we declare to you. That's just, that's so powerful. We declare to you that you may also fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus. And these things we write to you so that your joy may be full. So really, what John is saying here is, I have had an experience with God. I have had a real connection with God. And I am sharing with you out of not a doctrine, of not just an idea, of not just what I learned in school. I am sharing something that I have learned from an experience and I want you to experience this real thing that I've experienced. I want it to be real to you too. I want you to have what I got so that you'll fellowship with him just like I do. Do you see what I'm saying? He is not bringing people to sign on the dotted line to join a church. He's trying to bring people to a connection with God that he himself had and a connection with him. He's like, I am wanting you to experience what I have experienced. This is real. And when you experience that, you're not only going to be connecting with him, you're going to be connecting with me at another level. The fellowship, we want you to fellowship, come into our fellowship. Whose fellowship? Me, the Holy Spirit, God and everybody else has come into this. And so when you, when you experience this and you come into this, you pass that veil of religion, of form, of just reading the Bible, of just going to prayer, you, prayer meetings maybe. You press past that form into an experience and it's real. You, you come into a new fellowship. And what you find in that place is God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and other believers. You connect with them in a new way that you could not connect with before. It's amazing what happens there. And he is going, I'm wanting to pull you into this. Now I want to share, this is what church needs to be about again. Experiencing God in reality. Now, please understand what I'm saying here. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, I want to say, <laughs> I want to make a statement, which is, it's not even just about experiencing the anointing. Which as much as I love that, and I prioritize that, we can be somewhere and experience his presence and spirit. And, and God's like, I want you to even go beyond that. There's something in the heart that I love. You know, we can have music that connects with the presence and you come into that and you're just enjoying that. And sometimes God's like, I just want to break that up because I just want to hear sincere hearts. You might be off key. 
You might be off tune. You might not play the chords right. But if that heart is sincere, there's a foundation of what all this other stuff is supposed to come out of. We can have all this other stuff and the rhythm of it, and God's still in it somehow, that sometimes God realizes you've just gotten in the rhythm of that. And yes, I've been in it, but I'm going to back up now because I want something more than just the, the rhythm of your religion, the rhythm of your anointing, the rhythm of your experiences. I want you to come back to me. You see? This is what church needs to be like again. And we need to lead people, not to just great music, not to just a great program, not to just, you know, great Sunday school. We need to lead people back to Jesus Christ, and we need to teach people to drink from Him again. That's what it's all about. This is an amazing thing. I can remember how often we would just tell people, come to Christ, come to Christ. And then what we do, we oftentimes, we connect them to our religion. Just come to church. Now, I believe coming to church is important. If you don't come, you're going to miss out on something, and you're going to slide away. I don't care how good your intentions are. You're not going to be on the fiery point with God much longer if you begin to pull away from the body and from the church. Amen? But coming to God is a lot more than coming to church. Coming to church ought to be a place where there's a lot of people who've been on fire for God all week long. They've been connecting with God all week long. They've been drinking from the fountain of life all week long. And when they come together, they are like bubbling over with something to share. And when that's not there, you've got a people that have not been partaking. And that's why there's nothing to give when we come to church. We're just hungry. We only will come there to receive because we've got nothing to give because we've not been drinking ourselves. Church is filled with people just coming to Sunday hoping to get something. Now, I want to be able to give something when people come to church. But I'm saying, once you're saved, that ought not to be every week. You ought to be filled with God wanting to bring that to other people so that they can enter into what you've experienced just like what John was doing. Most people never come to that. They think God is about coming to this religious service and learning something. Yes, that's a part of it. But I am telling you, once you come to Christ, you need to go get fed yourself. You need to go to the fountain and drink yourself. Amen? And when you do that, you're going to be full of God. And when you come to church, you're going to be bubbling over. There are going to be so many testimonies. You're going to go, man, I didn't have time to share. I got to make sure I go to small group this week because there are too many people full of God today. I didn't get my turn. Man, it can be such that everybody's sharing. And you almost have to stop it. Okay, that's good. We, we are, we're like so full of everybody's words and testimonies and prophecies already. Amen? Amen. Why don't we see that? Because there's the people today that aren't hungering for God, not thirsting for God, not yearning for Him, not feeding on Him, and they're not like John who's going, I've got this and I've got to give some to you too. I want you to have what I got. That's what we're supposed to be like. Amen? Can y'all not see it? That's what faith is like. 
And church isn't about building something. I was talking about that this morning. Church is about coming to God and bringing other people there. And God builds it. Amen? Man, I tell you, that's a new twist. We in this industrial nation, business nation, we so easily just cling to all the business forms of how to build a church. And God's like, the right, right way to build a church is teach people to come to Christ and teach people to love one another. Amen? To follow me. It's all about following. Following. And you said somebody today, do you follow Christ? Oh, sure I do. Well, that means you must be paying attention to him every day because he's always moving around. If you want to follow him, you got to keep your eyes on him because Jesus is always moving around. He's always got something different to tell you every day. He's got a different thing for you to do every day. You can't follow him just saying, I'm going to follow principles. I'm going to just follow. I mean, I'm not saying he's not in principles. I'm saying it's got to be bigger than that or you'll just be dead on the inside. Nobody can just follow principles and laws. Amen? When you come to God, praise God you didn't come to just a new book of laws, a new book of rules. There are plenty of to-dos in there. But there's a God behind the to-dos. And there's more than just what's written. You've got to have a relationship and God wants to communicate with you personally. He wants you to have that experience. All my sheep will hear my voice. But you won't hear it if you don't go spend time with them. You won't hear it if you don't go seek them. You won't hear it if you never, if you never yearn for it and pull away from TV and social media and all that other junk you fill yourself with. That's what you're going to be hearing all the time. He who's hungry, come to me and feast, and I will give to you. I will give you true food indeed. He who's thirsty, come and drink. You know why people don't go to God? They're not hungry and they're not thirsty. I want to ask you this. Where is your hunger level? Are you hungry for God? Do you want more? Is there something in you that goes, I know there's more, and I want it? You go and you seek him. Do you ever shut the door behind you the way the Bible says? And go get with God and just say, God, I don't want to get out of this closet until I've had an encounter with you. It can be one verse. I don't care. But I've got to feed on Christ today. God, you got to speak to me today. People don't even care about it. They can go the whole day or the whole week without doing that and not even realize it, not even care. That is not what it is meant to be. That's not what God meant the church to be. Church isn't just some place for you to get some kind of encouraging word, feel better, oh, so you can be spiritual during the week, so you can just, you know, claim a promise and claim a blessing. And no. The whole root of everything it's meant to go back to your relationship with God. And I want to ask you today, would you be real today and tell me or tell God, where is that? Where's your hunger level? Where's your seeking level? You want to know how hungry you are? How thirsty you are? All, all you have to do is look at how much you saw him last week. That's all you have to do. 
That'll tell you everything about where your hunger is, where your spirituality is. If you're hungry, you're going to seek. God never promised to fill the full. He promised to feed the spiritually hungry. Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. You know why? The hungry and the thirsty are looking for something to eat and drink. And it's those who seek that are going to find. Those who do not seek are not going to find. If you did not seek this past week, you're just getting leftovers. Amen? Man, I tell you, God is good. And I'm hoping this word is stirring you up because God is saying, there is more for you if you want it. If you're satisfied with running after a bigger house, a bigger job, more money, a better car, a, a better situation, well, you can just have that then. You like that little verse where Jesus is talking to these people one day and he goes, you know what? They pray, but you know what they're getting out of it? Oh, they're getting into it. They, they're flowing. But you know what they like to do? They like to do that in front of people. And what does Jesus say? They're getting all they're going to get out of that. You see, when you're looking to something else to fill you, that's all you're going to get. You can't, you can't have it both ways. If you've got another priority in your life that's more consuming in your mind than Jesus Christ, that's all you're going to get. Because you've prioritized something over God. God won't work for you. Well, why don't I enjoy God? I mean, well, it doesn't work that way. God only works when you put him first. God only works when you're hungry for him. This thing doesn't work otherwise. And I'll tell you what God's raising up today. God doesn't care about institutionalized church. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to call hearts back right now. Back to first love. Back to abandonment. Back to letting go of everything that's been distracting you. That's what he's doing right now. And he's calling you. And you got to go, how am I going to get out of where I am? How am I going to go back? I'm in such a rut. You remember that first time you took a step toward God? It's like into the blue. You knew you were making a change. It's got to be like that. It's got to be a radical step. Where you just go, you look at some stuff in your life. You know, when you get saved, you go, oh, I'm going to stop fornicating. I'm going to stop doing drugs. I'm going to stop watching pornography. I'm going to stop watching R-rated movies or, you know, whatever. Whatever you're partaking of. I'm going to stop, you know, but guess what? Once you get into serving the Lord, there's a whole new level of junk we end up running after. And that's where God says, why did you go to fill up on all these other things? Wasn't I now? Right? See what God's doing? He's going, I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back. Amen? Amen? Let go of whatever is holding you back and distracting you from God. Amen. Sometimes you go, oh, I need to reprioritize. Yes. Sometimes you need to reprioritize. Sometimes you just need to let go of it because it's got such a hold on you. That's why Jesus told that rich young ruler, you know all that money? Man, that's, you've done it real well. He didn't say just tithe. He didn't say, just, he said, you know what? Sell it all. 
Give it all away and follow me. Why'd he tell him that? Because that was his God. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? He's looking to that to take care of him. He's consumed by that. He thinks about it all the time. I'm telling you, watch out for your souls. Pay attention to where you are. If you're not hungry for God, thirsty for God, something is wrong. Do you hear me? You who are believers, if you're not hungry for God, something is wrong. And you need to examine yourself and you need to do something about it. So, now, I've been going all over the place here. I'm like, oh, how am I going to use these? Um, so I want, to get, I want to get back into this because what God's doing right now is he's pulling away from all these forms because he wants us to connect afresh. Why has there been so much disruption in America? Oh, COVID did it. Well, you know what? Maybe God used it. You might say the devil brought it, but God's going to use it for good. And you know what happened? Amen. The church got broken up. And you might say, oh, that's bad. No, it's good. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Because God's going to get back to the heart of what worship is. Amen. You look in this Song of Solomon. What's in the Song of Solomon? Someone's knocking on the door, which represents Christ. The bride, the, the, the representative of you or the church, is on the inside. He knocks and says, open for me. I want to just say, man, is not God saying that again? Open for me. You might think he's already there. It's so funny. He says this in the book of Revelation. He's going, I'm knocking. And the church is on the inside. And he's on the outside. See, that's what Jesus has been doing, knocking. And the church didn't open the door. He's knocking on our hearts. Here he goes. He knocks and says, open for me. And then my heart yearned for him. I opened the door, but he was gone. She seeks him earnestly. She is looking. She's searching. She's asking, where is he? Then she finds him. Let me just say, that's a picture of what God's doing right now. Yeah. Oh, he want more. And then you just realize, oh, I've got to seek him. I've got to ask. I've got to pursue. He wants that. He wants that. Right? And then after that pursuit, after that seeking, after that asking, she finds him and she's, she's like, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Amen. The pursuit, the seeking is what the bridegroom so loved. And I tell you, God loves yearning hearts that will go out and find him Ask, seek, knock, look until you find them. And when you find them, there's that encounter. And you, and you just go, oh, we are so one. 
I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. Amen? Amen. So, I think today the, the crazy thing is so many people don't even realize God's moved on. They don't realize God's moved on. They, they don't even know what to look for. You know, last week we were looking at this verse, 1 Samuel 16. I'll, I'll read it again. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I've rejected him from being king over Israel. And then he says, Move on to the next thing. I've got a new thing I'm doing, right? So, to those who have encountered God in the past, which represents now King Saul, where God was, God's saying, I'm not there anymore. I've moved on. I'm doing something new, something different, something better. And you have to go where I am. Amen? Listen to this right here. Hebrews 13, 13. Y'all think 13's unlucky? Here's the good verse to break that curse. Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go to him outside the camp. Bearing his reproach. Jesus is where? Outside the camp. What's the camp? Religious Christianity. Form without power. Form without power is the camp. Normative Christianity. Feeling good just going to church on Sunday. That's the camp. It's what God was doing yesterday. That's the camp. Hip Christianity. That's the camp. Do y'all see that? He says... Let's go outside the camp where Christ is, right? Willing to bear the reproach. You know, going where Christ is is in some ways almost always a difficult thing to do. There's reproach. People saying you're crazy. People saying you're kooky. People saying, uh, you know, you're not hip, you're whatever. Going where God wants you to go, doing what God wants you to do, often means you're going to have to suffer reproach. Somebody's going to say, it's crazy for you to keep doing that. It's crazy for you to go in that direction. But you know better. You know why? Because you found him there, and there is nothing that can convince you otherwise. Jesus says this, the son can do nothing of himself. Did y'all know that? Y'all ever think Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants to do? Jesus has all power when he was walking in the flesh. He do whatever he wants to do. He says this, son can do nothing of himself. But only what he sees the father do. Only what he sees um, I didn't say I didn't do that to make you say here. I'm doing that to hear what you're saying. I wanted to hear what you're saying. Jesus says, 
The son can do nothing of himself, but only what, let me do it this way, only what he sees. Only what he sees. He's not just going off of yesterday's fumes. He's seeing or sensing. Seeing doesn't mean he's having a vision every time. Oh, I see God. He means he's being inspired. He's seeing what God's doing. Oh, I see God in this. Oh, I see what God's doing. Oh, I see. You see what I'm saying? He lived seeing what God was doing. And that's what he did. And because of that, that's why the power of God was on his life. Are y'all with me? We're supposed to live not off of yesterday's fumes. We have to be where God is, where Christ is, outside the camp. We're not depending on the camp and the form and the hipness. And the, the, we're, we're outside beyond that. We're connected with him and we see what he's doing and we flow with that. And when we do that, we can do what God the Father is doing. Do y'all see that? And that's where we see miracles. What a great little story. But you see, what Jesus is saying here is he's doing this all out of relationship. Now, I want to explain this. I want you to just think about this. In America, we think success, right? We think in, in result. So if we're in church, now I'm not saying we don't pray these things. Big, this, that, that. I'm not saying that can't be what God wants to do. It should be a part of the vision. But I'm saying the success, success in life is not focusing on that. It's by abiding. Jesus said fruitfulness doesn't come from planning. Did y'all know that? He doesn't say fruitfulness comes from planning. He doesn't say fruit. There are a whole bunch of things he doesn't say. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but he's talking about the core of it that has to be at the root of everything. He says over and over, it comes from what? Abiding. Fruitfulness comes from this that John was experiencing. He knew him. He experienced him. He walked with him. He brought other people to that. He fellowshiped with that. Those that who are around, it was John, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there, and others that he had brought into that fellowship. They were all there together with God. And he's reaching out and going, I want you to come into this. You see what I'm saying? That is what it's all about. That's the foundation. All that other stuff has to be built on that foundation of relationship. Amen? That's what God's bringing us back to. John 12, 26. If anybody serves me, let him follow me. It's funny we think about this backwards. We would say, if anybody wants to follow me, let him serve me. If anybody wants to serve me, let him follow me. 
You want to serve God? Well, you got to follow him. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Now, following there, can y'all see this? Following is a very real dynamic experience. If you want to serve me, you got to follow me. You've got to go where I'm going. You've got to do what I'm doing. You got to have your eyes on me. You can't follow me if you're not paying attention to where I'm going. Amen? Follow. See, the Christian world use follow, uses the word follow like some kind of, you know, hip word. Oh, I follow Jesus. It just means that, you know, I'm I try to do what the Bible says. Oh man, there's so much beyond that. Uh, amen? amen. You got to walk this thing out. If you want to serve him, you got to follow him. You got to keep your eyes on him. And then he goes, where I am, my servant will be there. You can't serve God off somewhere where he's over there. Do you see what he's saying? You can't just make it a religion and go do this and that. He's saying, where I am, my servant is going to be there. You're going to be following. You're going to be doing what he's doing. Why? Because you got your eyes on him. So, now, when God moves, it can be sort of painful when he's like, oh God, there's this, there's this passage. I just love this. I heard a, I think he used to be a youth pastor or something over at this Asbury College. And he said something that just, something just clicked. And I thought, that is so beautiful. You know, when these people came to Jesus' disciples and they go, hey, why aren't you guys fasting? Hey, Jesus, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he goes, there's going to come a time and he's talking about wineskins. He go, what he's he says, let me let me share about the wineskins first. He says, look, you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. So he says there's a new wine coming. And he's got to have the right wineskin to pour that wine into. And then he's given the context, and I had never seen it like this before. And what he's saying is. Right now, I am with them. But there's going to come a time when I won't be here physically and they're going to yearn for me, mourn for me, and be seeking and pulling on me. And he says, that is the context in which I'm going to pour out the new wine. Do y'all see what I'm saying? I was blown away. Y'all just look like... Like you're thinking about what you're going to eat after, after service today. I just think that's an amazing insight on that verse. Part of what he's saying there is, I can't pour out this new thing until there's a people, until I'm gone and moved away. See, they were partaking of him. And then poof, he's not there. It's a different thing. Now they're going to, they're going to yearn for him and seek him and want that encounter. And he says, in that day, that's the context in which the new wine is poured into a new wine skin. I think that's amazing. And you see what God's going to do today, it's not going to come out of a new idea. 
It's not going to come out of a new format. It's going to come out of a new home. What God's going to do today, this new wine, it's not going to come out of those things. It's going to come out of a new hunger for people that go, I want that. I want him. And God's like, I'm getting ready to pour into that new wineskin because that's what it takes. Amen. And out of that come the ideas, the format. But we cannot put the cart before the horse. Man, that's so powerful. This whole thing was birthed on disciples who were hungry for God and yearning for God and praying and fasting because to keep that connection. And what did he say? I will manifest myself to you. Oh, seek me. I'm going to show myself. But you've got to seek me because I won't be here sitting down in the flesh anymore. And he says, and it's actually going to be better. It doesn't feel better maybe at first to these disciples, but they had to press into that, amen? Paul says this. Paul is reaching out to people, and he goes, I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be corrupted or I like that word. I'll just use that word corrupted from simple devotion to Christ. He's like, that's the pure thing. That's the real thing. I don't want your mind pulled away from sincere devotion to Christ. And he goes, he's, he's like, I'm presenting you as a, as a bride to the groom. I'm, I'm, I see myself presenting you to Christ and I want you to always go back to this simple thing. Be devoted to him. You see, in the Bible, he talks about this relationship being like it is between a husband and a wife. And he says, the big thing, it's devotion. It's love. It's thinking about. It's being one with. It's being committed to. And when you do that, when you're committed to the person, then you don't want other people in that picture. You don't want other distractions. Worldliness, God says, is like adultery, right? What happened there? The devotion. Listen to this, guys. Worldliness is like adultery. Why? It pulls away your devotion. Let me ask you this. Have you been committing adultery with God? Against God? You understand what I mean? Have you been giving your devotion and your affections and your attention to something else? Paul's like, hey, I just want to wake you up. It's all about this. It's not about the form. You know, you can go through the form of religion, sing, feel the anointing, and you put something else first all week long. And that's what we've been doing. And that's why people don't, have, or don't fill up with God anymore. They don't have to God to give very much because they just have a little bit inside of them. It's going, God's going to put an end to that. And it's not just our fault. We've been in a whole culture of it a whole church world of it, a system that propagates it. God's putting a wrecking ball to all of that. 
And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. God broke up stuff so we could go seek him where he is. Find him afresh for real. Not in all the big whatever, the show. And in that real thing that he begins to shine in our lives again. God wants you to connect with him so much. This morning as we were singing songs, I even had this experience where sometimes I'm enjoying the song and then I just almost want to break away and go, oh no, I need to sing this to my heart more and I don't even want to care if I'm on t- in tune. And then, I'd, and then I'd start singing it and just go, God, I want to make sure this is just coming from down here when I'm saying these words. And I could just sense God's presence increase and the pleasure of God in that. God doesn't disapprove of talent. He's given us talent. He likes to use it. But when we substitute it for the real thing and people aren't learning how to drink for themselves, we've messed up. Come back to the real thing. Amen? I'm going to share this story of the woman at the well. Y'all remember that story? Jesus meets this woman at the well. And uh, he just says the crazy thing to her. I'm going to give you living water. The way it is worded in the original language, she could have meant that, understood that to meant to have meant running water. So imagine, so, so she goes, well, tell me where that is so I won't have to draw anymore. Right? But anyway, what Jesus was talking about was something bubbling up in us, giving us life. Let me just please encourage worn out believers tired believers, frustrated believers. I don't care that you that the, that in the theological way, oh, you've come to the river of life. If it's not real, you're not drinking from it anymore. There's a river of life still for you to take Amen. and drink from. It's bigger than your worries. It's bigger than your troubles. And it brings life. Amen. It brings life. That's what he was telling this woman. See, this woman, this, this is so neat. This woman was yearning for something, right? But she didn't know what she's yearning for. She didn't know. She didn't know why, you know, she was yearning. Or she didn't know why she was having the problems that she was having. So if you, if you know the story, you realize this woman has been trying to fill that void in her. And everybody has a yearning for something. We think something else is going to fill that. And sometimes we go from one thing, move on to the other. We think sex will fulfill that yearning. We think that, you know, uh, some kind of uh, relationship is going to fill that yearning. We think that maybe more money is going to fill that yearning. We think something on social media is going to fill that gap. You know, uh, you know. I don't know. We, we're looking to something to fill that void on the inside of us. We want something. And this woman had run out of hope that what she was doing was going to fill that void. Y'all know that? 
He goes, go get your husband. I'm not married. Well, I know that. But you have been married five times, and the one you're with, you're not even married to. Listen, she kept hoping for something, hoping for something. This last time, she goes, you know what? Let's not even get married. It's probably not even going to work out. She gave up hope on filling that void that she had in her life with the man. Right? And Jesus was in the right place at the right time because here is a person that's hungry, that knows what they've been looking for, will not fill them, and he's able to say, God is your answer. The Savior is your answer. And here I am. And what is it? It's worship. It's worship. If you read the story, he's going, it's worship. It's worship. It's worship. We all need to worship. Some people worship sex. Some people worship pornography. Some people worship money. God says, you can't worship all these things and worship me too. You can only worship one. Me or the other. Make your choice. What did Elijah say? Choose this day who you're going to worship. You see, if you're going to worship God, you got to let go of the other things you're worshiping. Anyway, he comes to this woman. He's given up hope on those things. Jesus finds her empty, and she knows she's empty. And when, when he says those words, their life to her. Let me just say this. This is so important. As long as you keep trying to find life somewhere else, and you've not given up hope on that, you're not going to find life in Christ. When you realize he is what I've been looking for, then that's when the light will come on, the relationship will click, and you'll be willing to leave everything, I mean everything, to go follow Him. You'll be willing to leave everything. Listen to me. Everything, rich young ruler. Every dollar you have, you'll be willing to leave it because you know Him and you trust in Him. That relationship becomes so real when that worship is there. Y'all see what I mean? And I want to say repentance is not an end in itself. A lot of times in church, we're like, oh, you just need to repent of your sin. That's a means to get somewhere. Where's we, where are we going with repentance? With being reconciled toward God. It's about getting back into this relationship. Amen? So... Repentance isn't an end to itself. It's not just stop living with that man. It's not about going to heaven. That's not, that's not it. Stop living that with that man. Jesus didn't go, stop living with that man so you can go to heaven. Do y'all see what I mean? What's he doing? He's restoring a relationship with God. When John the Baptist preached repentance, it wasn't just because he was mad people were sinning. He was wanting to bring people back to God. And they were coming back to God. Repentance is just a tool that we have to have to get back to God. Are y'all with me? What's the goal? 
Let me go back to the first. It's experiencing him and then bringing other people into that. You know, when people repented, even with John the Baptist, they were experiencing God. Listen how God builds what God is approving of. John the Baptist, this is another phenomenal thing. He's in the wilderness. There are no people out there. They're passing by on caravans. He preaches to a caravan. Let's say there are 10 people in that caravan. And some of them get their lives changed. What do they do? They go all the way to the city and they go, Hey, guys, you've got to come hear this guy. What guy? Is he in the cathedral? No. Uh, is he cool? Has he got the new titty shoes on? Has he got the new this and that? No. In fact, he dresses sort of funny. And he's eating grasshoppers. Uh, yeah. No, seriously, you got to come. You got to come. Okay. Think about that. This guy's in the wilderness. Why do people start coming? Because God's with him. Because he's with God. God's showing up. And people are getting their lives changed. They are encountering God there. God built, uh, if you want to call it a church, in the wilderness. And it's an amazing thing. God will bring people where people are being fed where people are in a community of people who are hungry, who are experiencing God. And let me just say, if you're not experiencing God, like we've been talking about today, don't kid yourself. Don't try to make yourself feel good about where you are. You know, that's not good. That's not helping you. You need to go, you know what? I need to wake up. I need to seek God again. It's not about just the form. It's not about, oh, I've got to read 10 chapters today because I've got to be finished with this book at the end of the year. No, I just need to get in there until I got something. I don't care if it's one verse. I just have to get daily bread. He's daily bread for us, isn't he? Praise God. Anyway, I feel like this generation, like that woman, I think this generation is at a place where they are hungry for something real and they realize this world can't do it. Yeah. That's why the suicide rate is increasing. That's why the highest level of young people won't just commit suicide than I think ever recorded. Because what they were hoping was going to fulfill, they've come to the realization it's never going to work. It's not there. They've lost hope in that. And this is the perfect moment for Jesus, through those that have this experience, to be able to say, come to the water and drink. It's there. It's real. It's real. You can't say that and convince somebody if you're not drinking yourself. You see? There's a generation looking for this. And if you're here online or here in this body, I just want to say, you know, shake yourself. Go back to your first love. This is all about loving God. It's about experiencing Him. I want to encourage you, get to church early. Why? Because we have family time. We want to hear what's bubbling up inside of you. Go seek God this week. Spend time with God. You know, we're going to pray in just a minute, but I just want to say, you just can't have, oh, oh, he's right. Oh, I need to do better. And then pray and then just forget about it. 
That doesn't even do you any good. Maybe some of you need some accountability partners. You know, if you need to get closer to the Lord, and I'd say a lot of people, almost everybody does, right? We all need to get, what I mean by that is we need to change our patterns and our habits. I've had to change mine. We've got to, we've got to do what we have to do to encourage one another to go on with God. To press on with God. Amen. Amen. Let us go forward. Let us go on. Let us press on to know Him. If you're not pressing on, man, you're missing out on something. Now, what's God going to bring us to? We're going to see the glory of God return to the church. We're going to see the power of God. People are going to come in and see it. What are you expecting them to see? Smoke? Mirrors? An amazing band? Whether that's there or not, that's not the important thing. What they want to see is the presence of God. If God's, and I mean in a real way, and they want to see people who have that encounter, they don't just know the right things to say. Man, it's coming out of their relationship. And when they tell somebody, they go, that person's going, man, that person's real. He knows God. There's something real about that. Amen? God's bringing us back to the real thing. I wish I could snap my fingers and make it happen. We all have to walk this thing out, guys. You know, every time revival happens, this is, I shared this last week. On average, when revival comes to a church, 30% of the church leaves. They'd rather have the comfort. They don't want God because life's pretty good. Hey, I got a good house, nice wife, my car's okay. I got a nice dog. That's the American dream, isn't it? <laughs> Why rock the boat? Why be radical? Why risk it all and even think about leaving my perfect world if God might send me to Alaska or wherever? I'm not saying that because I'm getting the word. Don't get any ideas. But I'm just saying it's hard for people who are rich in this world to let go of it, to follow God. Just examine yourself. If you really want God, you have to let go to go there. Amen? And you got to go where He is. This week, if you want to pursue God and where He is, be real about it. I guarantee you, if you start praying, you realize, hmm, Oh, this is in the way. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, God. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, God. This is the way. You'll start rearranging things. I'm not going to say you're going to go to God today and then boom, you have this big encounter. You might. But I expect it's going to start out by God dealing with things. Okay, move this around. It might be a subtle thing. God's like, let me see if you'll pay attention to the little bit I'm giving you. It might be a subtle word. Move this around. Do this. Will you listen to the still, small voice? That's the first thing you need to do. And then God will begin to show you some other things you need to do. And as you begin to walk that out, every day, God will start working with you. But what are you hungering for? You're hungering like that Shunammite woman in the Song of Solomon who goes, I know he's knocking. I'm going to keep seeking until I find him. I'm going to keep seeking until it will happen. 
Seek with all your heart, and what does the Bible promise? Promise you shall find. See, we believers think that's that initial, oh, I got saved. No, it's talking to us today. Do you want God? Do you want more of God? Or do you not want more of God? Amen. Well, just bow your head before the Lord. Just put your mind on God right now. Put your mind on God. I want you to be honest right now where, where you are with God. Just be honest. Just talk to Him right now. Where are you with Him? What's gotten in your way? What's become your idol? Just confess your condition before God. Just be real. I want you just to see your life just for this coming week. What is God nudging you toward this week? What's God pulling you toward? What's the right mindset God wants you to have this week? What's the right attitude toward Him? How is He showing you to prioritize Him this week? I just want you to commit to that. Just commit to it before the Lord and ask Him to help you. And just say, you need to just say, God, I haven't lived this way, and Lord, it's hard. And Lord, I know I ought to. By your grace, if you just tell that to God from the depths of your heart, God will help you. So just ask Him right now to help you do what you are committing yourself to do. And he'll help you. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to encourage you in this. You know what we've just done? Can y'all tell God's in that? Can you not tell God's in that right there? Right? Look how simple that was. It's real simple, wasn't it? How long did that take? Three minutes? I don't even know. And it wasn't more than five minutes at the most. I don't even think it was, I'm not sure it was even three minutes. Look how meaningful that was. Can you do that every day just to start your day? Can you do that every day to finish your day? Just quiet yourself before God. Get your mind before God. Get your mind off of social media. And when you wake up in the morning, man, that's a good time to do it because you hadn't had your wife or your husband say anything to you yet. You hadn't had the dog barking yet. You have I mean, nothing. You know, you got your mind clear. So go do what we did right there. God, what do you want me to do today? God, what, how do, how do I prioritize my day? What do I let go of? What do I do? It, just take those three minutes and just do what God tells you to do. Amen? Amen. Do it at the end of the day. Now, God's going to have you praying and reading and whatever, seeking Him, whatever He leads you. But where we're going right now, I'm trying to make this come into your home and your life. If you start this, take it to your family, take it to your children, to your, to your wife, to your husband. Take this home. Make this the centerpiece of your life, this relationship. Amen? It's not hard, but you just have to do it. you got to prioritize it. This is interesting, too. Do y'all know, is it that simple? Do y'all know God just talked to you? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you realize God just directed you in something to do? When If you were sincere and you asked God to do that, 
The question is now whether you'll do it. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd have somebody else pray for today, but I don't know if that's proper since we don't know. We don't have a roving camera team to show, you know. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today, Lord. And I just pray everybody be blessed. Lord, let this be a great week of really feeding on Christ. Lord, give us that fullness of joy. Give us that, make that real. We want this to be fellowship. Lord, we want to pray for stuff to happen. We want to pray for things, but Lord, we want everything to be focused, first of all, on this relationship issue. What do you want us to do? What are you doing? Then we'll pray for the things you want us to pray. We'll pray about our day. God, but Lord, this first, this first. Lord, we thank you. Everything's going to come out of that fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us how to feed on Christ and bring that to others in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.